0: along with Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Nissan SUVs have the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Got my PrevNar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia
1: vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect.
0: I'm 19, strong.
1: And asthmatic, and at higher risk.
0: May have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call one 855 213 2138 or visit prevnar20.com.
1: Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.
0: You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career From grandmothers who whispered in their baby girl ear to fathers on dimly lit street corners instructing young soldiers to always keep their eyes open. You be queen, you were fired. You were passed through centuries on the hands of your daughters, they called you wisdom. Proverbs, on the backs of diamond eyed school children who grew into hymnals recited by amethyst-holding urban philosophers who recited neighborhood commandments out of the windows of restored El Camino chariots to keep the warmth in their blood. Be wise, be smart, be black opal, brown quartz, bloodstone and prayer, be every form of gem. See, king told scribe, scribe told son, son told wife, wife told her daughter and daughter told the ancestors, And the ancestors told me that you would come to give wisdom to thousands. They said you would come. Dropping Gems. Dropping gem.
2: Welcome to Dropping Gems. I'm Debbie Brown. This is my podcast. Here is a place that is a soft place to land as we explore higher consciousness and make it tangible and applicable to our everyday life using all the tools that we get In real time, that is my goal. That is my mission, healing with joy, grace, and ease. Today's show, I am really excited and grateful as always to have such beautiful souls join us in this space and share their wisdom. And today's show is going to be so juicy. I'm so excited to have Barb Schmidt on the show today. Barb Schmidt is a meditation teacher and author, a mindfulness activist, and the co-founder of Peaceful Mind, Peaceful Life. A practitioner of mindfulness and meditation for over 35 years, Barb is the author of the internationally best-selling book The Practice: Simple Tools for Managing Stress, Finding Inner Peace, and Uncovering Happiness. In 2011, she founded the nonprofit Peaceful Mind, Peaceful Life with the mission to further inner peace and bring mindfulness teachings to the global community. Across all social media platforms, Peaceful Mind, Peaceful Life has over 8 million followers, inspiring people to love who they are and have the courage to live the life of their dreams. Currently, Barb teaches regular mindfulness and meditations workshops at Boca Raton Regional Hospital as part of the Peaceful Mind, Peaceful Life Wellness Series for nurses, staff, and the whole community. Barb co-founded the Health First Initiative at the Florida Atlantic University Medical School, which provides medical students with tools for taking care of their own mental and physical health. And Barb is passionate about mentoring the next generation of leaders. The Barb Schmidt Fellowship for Cultivating Community Involvement, Activism, and Social Change at Florida Atlantic University aims to provide high school student leaders with a platform to develop the skills and knowledge needed to initiate, execute, and sustain a social movement. She's presented workshops for over a decade at Florida Atlantic University as part of the Peace, Justice, and Human Rights Initiative. And Barb has created and led programs teaching mindfulness at Nova Southeastern University and in local childhood development centers, high schools, universities, college athletic programs, and transitional programs for young adults with autism. Barb's deepest desire is that people love, accept, and trust themselves completely, knowing that this inner confidence and strength will lead to a world of peace and love. So grateful to have you here. Welcome to the show, Barb. Thank you,
3: Debbie Brown. (laughs) I'm so so honored, so honored to be here with you. I can't even express it enough. There there are no words. I just adore you. And I love your dropping gems all over social media, all over the country, all over the world. Um, The things that you're doing are not only inspirational for me, but I love what you're doing and helping people around the globe. So I'm truly honored.
2: That means so much, Barb. That means so much. I, you are everything. I like, (laughs) every time I see you on my Instagram or we like exchange, I like cannot stop myself from being filled with a smile. You just have one of the most breathtaking spirits I've ever encountered. You know, it's just like, It feels so rare to meet angels, but to be in your presence, even virtually, like it fills the room with such an angelic love and depth. And the way that you share your work in the world, it's just so gorgeous and it's so gentle and it's so full. Like there's so much depth of spiritual teaching while also making it feel gentle, some of the more scary things. And so I just admire you so much and I'm so grateful to
3: have you here. <laughs> me you me cry you anger, so we'll even get started <laughs> you guys li- are going to be listening to this you're in for a big treat just to be just to be in your presence and interviewed by you is such a gift and a blessing to me today i I couldn't wait all day for this I did nothing else today but get ready for you and just be so
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know feel all the things.
2: And you know, I love our story, Barb. Like, so Barb and I, everyone, we met uh, actually, this is now probably a year and a half ago, maybe a little more. At the top of the pandemic, there was this really incredible um, movement put together by Lovey and by Glennon Doyle. And it was called Share the Mic Now. And it was really in response to the social injustice that globally was being seen, that many of us knew existed and experienced, but was having this really larger reach. And we got paired. And it was really like women of color got paired with This sounds bizarre to say maybe, but (laughs) women of color got paired with white women (laughs) Um, (laughs) and we got on this giant, enormous Zoom call that it was a hundred of us in the inaugural class. And uh, I got paired with you and it was really incredible. I got paired with you, with your daughter, Michelle, with Peaceful Mind, Peaceful Life, which is your foundation and also your wildly popular Instagram page And you and I, I'll never forget, you know, we all got on this huge call. It was well over a hundred people. We were sharing for a long time. And really the whole point of this at this time was about getting some of the deeper understanding of what was happening in the world out into larger channels, people that had, like yourself, that have well over a million followers and connecting other perspectives and other ways of looking at scenarios or looking at industries. And so it was really so powerfully felt for so many of us. So the two of us were put together and we ended up immediately getting on our own call on the side and we fell in love. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's our love story. Um, and we ended up just having, uh, I'll never forget, I remember getting on that call with you and it was a Zoom, it was me, it was you and it was Michelle. And we just, it just instantly felt like we knew each other for eternities, just so long. And when I had a chance to to really speak to you and really get to know your content and your teaching on your platform I was just blown away, just spoke to my soul in such a deep way. And I love the way that you share, especially some of the some of the more shadowy aspects of the work, I've never seen someone wrap shadow in such light before, and I think that's the thing that I love most about connecting to the work that you do in the world. You know, you get into some of the the trickier things to talk about. You know, and I see even on your page, like some, and we'll get into this later because I have a lot of questions. But um, you know, one of the things that That you and Michelle speak about even in the videos that you guys do together are, you know, things like some personality disorders, the the real, real trauma associated with being in narcissistic partnerships or relationships, um, some different personality disorders. And and ways of survival, you know, and I think that that doesn't always get spoken to enough in this space. So, so I am so happy to be here with you. And you know, Barb, you you're an OG. You're an OG in this space. You have been a meditation and a spiritual teacher for over 35 years. And somewhere I'd love to start with you because I'm always so so in awe and admiration of those that found this work when no one was talking about this work on a mainstream level. Now we're having these conversations and it's like, yes, mental health, mindfulness, meditation. And it's just like, oh, yeah, girls, self-care, you know, like we're saying it like it's so easy. But, you know, there, there are times in history where if you said you meditated, you might be an outcast in your town or in your area or in your friend group, you know. And so I just I'd love to start with 35 plus years ago. How did you find the courage to find this work and share it? I, you know, I
3: think it's it's so interesting to hear you say that because it, I think that's what gave me the goosebumps because it's so true. I was an outcast. I, I, um, I had a very difficult life growing up to alcoholic parents and trauma and abuse and all of the, th- all the things. So I don't really need to go deep into that, but just know that it was a really, really, really hard childhood, no money, none of that. But I always knew inside of me, I had a deep spiritual connection to God. I was raised Catholic, and so I would teach at the Sunday school and stuff. So I always had, I always pray and say, this can't be my life. It's got to be better than this. Um, And so what I learned at an early age, at 13, I started working at McDonald's. You could do that back then in the 70s. And I thrived. They loved me. I had so much attention. And I just, what I learned from that was, the more I thrived on the outside world, the better people like me. So I really had a shift. And even before that a little bit, I think, but before, but at 13, wow, it matters what I'm doing on the outside world. It matters how I look. All that matters. And what happened over the years was that became my life. And so I didn't care what was inside of me. I didn't care how I felt. I didn't care who wow. I, you know, it didn't matter how I how I felt or even, you know, what What I needed to do on the inside, so God kind of went away, and he kind of went away a little bit as well, or she kind of went away when when I had um, suffered a sexual abuse with with a family member. So it kind of felt like, oh, he doesn't like me anyway. So let me just do what I know that I can do. And so, you know, fast forward to age twenty three, I owned uh, my own McDonald's restaurants. You know, many. Oh my god! Yeah, so I was one of the first women. But along the way in that journey, I developed an eating disorder of bulimia. You know, when you are denying that inside little girl or, or big girl or whoever that girl is, that all of her feelings and you're constantly stuffing on, it was food that, that helped me do that. And it also was a supervisor that came in one day and he said, brought me in a big award and a check and all the things because I was really successful. He said, you know what? You were doing such a fabulous job. And since I've met you, which was probably maybe a year before, you've put on a lot of weight. So you must like this job, too. And I'm like, I mean, even saying that today to me, and I remember all I heard was you are fat. You are not OK. This is not OK. Because everything was externally driven. So it propelled me into this. Oh, well, this is why you're not happy, Barbara. This is why you don't have this or that or whatever. Um so uh, you're right. The great fortune that I had in 1985 was I couldn't go to work one day and opened the newspaper here in, in Port Lauderdale. And, and there was a, um, uh, an advertisement for an eating disorder treatment center. They had alcoholism and drug addiction as well, but the first of its kind, um, in South Florida. And it was the one year anniversary of Karen Carpenter's death, who is one of my favorites as a child. I mean, I loved her wow. and she died of bulimia and anorexia, but no one had heard of it. I didn't connect the dots. What is that? So mm-hmm. I was very lucky in this treatment center. I just, I thank God every day in my meditation, my prayers that I was led to this center. They they taught mindfulness. They taught meditation. They taught yoga, 1985. I mean, everything else, they taught us food and they they went through lots of therapy and group therapy, But but it was woven, all that therapy and all the things they probably do today Had mindfulness and walking and exercising and yoga and meditation and sitting with yourself and silent eating and mindful eating. Mindful eating. I even have tapes from back then, cassette tapes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I'm very grateful and very lucky. But it was hard. Six weeks in treatment, and when I came out, I was really blessed because I knew that if I didn't do something, that if I didn't find a practice or if I didn't find a teacher, if I didn't keep this meditation, mindfulness, this whole toolkit of things that I learned in treatment, I had this, you know, I knew that I would die because I met so many people in treatment that were in there my age today. I'm 64 years old today. I met so many people in there suffered from bulimia for 20, 30, 40 years, all the illnesses and things. And so I knew, wow, I'm 28. This is amazing. Now I need to be serious. And it's been 37 years. Incredible of constant studying and teaching and all the things I think a lot of people maybe do today. And it was just not mainstream back then. It was not easy finding the difference. So I I would read a book and and that would lead me to the next book or the next teacher, or I was just constantly absorbing it. I, I was so thirsty and hungry for it that I never stopped exploring without internet, without all the things that we have today. I was always doing it on my own and people thought it was crazy. And I'll tell you, and this is what makes me sad today. No, I hope it's not true. I do talk to a lot of kids. When I told, I got out of treatment excited, like I was on top of the world. I told everyone I knew, yeah, I was in treatment for bulimia and this and that and all this stuff. And I was so excited. All I'd learned, all they heard was... Oh my gosh, you. So does that mean we shouldn't eat with you because it's not going to be okay? Mm-hmm. And then they thought it was weird, you know, meditation and all of that. So you're right; I I did lose quite a few um, relationships and friendships and just even acquaintances of people that thought I was a little bit weird because I was a little more mindful, I was a little slowed down. I own McDonald's restaurant, but now I'm trying to slow my mind down so I'm not a crazy person. <laughs> it was a challenge. Um,
2: wow. When I think of that moment when we complete something or when we get this new understanding and it's almost like the seize part, you know, and I think sometimes when we're trying to hold on to what was, that's when it feels so challenging and difficult. But if we're just present and we're in allowance, it's like, yeah, a lot of people may have left my life. We're not on bad terms, you know, but I needed to make room. I evolved into something else entirely. That's the way that I've experienced it, where it's like you have to allow yourself the full evolution. I evolved into something else entirely and I needed to make space for the relationships, the acquaintanceships, the people and experiences that now feed into what that new life is. And so I, I love that you mentioned that because I think that is the piece that feels scariest for people. Sometimes it's not even like doing the work on yourself. It's this idea of the perceived losses that will come up when we decide to take action in our lives or we decide to grow and change.
3: It's so true, Debbie. And it's we're so attached to familiarity and, I, and me too. I mean, I've, I've been going through some things in the past couple of years and big time things in the past six months. And what I've realized, that's what meditation mindfulness is, why it's so Precious. I realized because I'm so aware, I realized, Barb, you're just, you're attached to the familiar, the familiarity of all of the people or the things or the, you know, those, those are, um, things that you can't hold on to, um, especially when the time is right to let them go or when the person is right to let it go. I had a dear, dear friend and she used to say to me, you know, Barb, you know, not everyone's going to be here to the long end cuz i'm always thinking you know i got a good friend they got to be here forever or i want to be there forever for them or whatever the story is that we write and she would always yeah. say you know most of these people are going to come and go in your life that's the way it is and so we ho- i i know that i hold on to the things that are familiar and the things that were and i think just being aware of that for me has opened so many doors to the possibilities of how do i move forward how do you make that first mm. step forward and i think that's key in acknowledging how you feel it's okay to say this is hard. I'm scared. Um, these people are familiar to me or this one particular person I've shared, you know, 30 some years with and, but it's okay, but it's okay to be sad. Like you can have the two, we live in that dual society. So it's, it's sad, but happy at the same time. And I think if we can allow ourselves to be in that place, thinking, knowing that it's okay and feeling all the feelings of excitement, but also, you know, fear or sadness or uh, uncomfortable, Uh, I think that we're better off just being exactly who we are in the moment and acknowledging what's happening for us in the moment and allowing it to pass.
2: Yeah. That's so powerful. And you know, when I think of that as it applies to my own life, it's like I have been loving, especially in the last couple of years, the real deep connection to being able to be in the present moment and not Think in terms of forever's, because I absolutely was somebody that was like, Well, if we became friends, then it has to be forever. If we're together, then it has to be forever. If I have this or that happening, it has to be forever. And then, you know, obviously you'll drive yourself crazy because it's this false idea that we control anything and we don't, you know, and we can't even fathom what forever is or means. And You know, for anyone listening that also may be doing some work around that, the thing that helped me was just always reframing it as saying, that is what society says. That is not actually how it's meant to be felt or experienced as human beings. But since we were children, happily ever after and happily, you know, all in forever and everything was put into that context. And so you think that a moment has to stretch out instead of letting things pass in and out as they're meant to, as they're supposed to. So that has been something I've really been enjoying in my work is getting to that place of detachment and just saying, I'm, I'm, on a, I'm on a ride. I'm on a divine journey that I'm helping to design and things will come and things will go, but
3: it will always be right on time for me. Yeah, And you know, it's so beautiful, Debbie. And one of the things that Michelle, my daughter, Michelle, She talks about this a lot in her blogs and in her teachings. And it really struck me, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, because I learned this in treatment, that I can do anything for today that I couldn't necessarily fathom doing for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. I use that as one of my mottos forever. But then she always looks at this idea of how how can we start to reframe or redirect the thoughts or redirect that what society is teaching us And so when I think about friendship, especially, or when you think about relationships, especially, it's like I can, I'm I'm in this relationship for today. And whatever happens for today is enough. You know, I don't have to think about, oh my gosh, this will be a lifetime and let my mind take me down that path of, you know, happily ever after. I can be really happy in this moment with the person today and reframe those thoughts that there's something wrong with me if the relationship doesn't last or I can't set a boundary because I don't want them to leave me or, you know, I'm not good enough because, you know, because they're not calling me uh, anymore or whatever it is, if you're being left or you're being dumped, or if you're the one that's decided to move on, if you can try to reframe it as there's not necessarily anything wrong with you, it's maybe just the time. It's like, the, this is the place for you to start growing more or because we can't, I remember Oprah Winfrey when I went on one of her, I think it was right before the pandemic hit, when I went on. I think the "Love Your Life" tour. When she got up on stage and she said, "You can have everything in your life that you desire and want. You just can't have it all at the same time." I remember. I laugh. I remember laughing. I'm thinking. I love oh, that. I can't <laughs> have it all at the same time. Of course we. And then it makes so much sense. And I think I've laughed yeah. about it a few days since. And I need to just be gentle with yourselves and like it doesn't. It's so hard. I also when when Glennon Doyle has been one of my great friends and teachers as well. And she says, we can do hard things. That is so genius. But I just want to say, we can do hard things. Like I've said, I've been going through this now for a couple of years, three years. We can do hard things, but it might take a few years. It doesn't mean I can do hard things. And, okay. I'm done. I did it. Oh my gosh. Oh, there's something wrong with me because here I am three years later. So having some of those same thoughts.
2: Yeah. It yeah.
3: not It, it doesn't, this, living the life that we're teaching and the way we wanna live our lives, that we've chosen, is not an overnight success. It is really a work in progress and it's for the rest of your life. And I think you said it beautifully, and enjoying the journey along the way. What are the little joys and the things that we can see? And don't, we can do hard things means, that's your motto and if it takes the rest of my life to do maybe one hard thing that I'm having difficulty with, if I can do it after 40 years or whatever it is, That's that's phenomenal. That's a success. Are you all about the NBA
4: action? You've got to try Pick 6, the newest fantasy app from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more.
2: We all can't help but wonder what awaits us around the next corner. What new roads are left to be discovered? What adventures lie just over the next ridge? Push beyond your current limits and find out. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there, where the road leads you and even where the off-road makes a way to. If you're taking on your adventure in a 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is always your updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Whether the adventure is about the destination the journey itself, or both, your SUV will match your tenacity mile after mile. And no matter how far you wander, you'll remain tethered to home without the need to connect to your phone. Along with Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Every one of Nissan's SUVs have the capabilities to take you where you want to go. The world is waiting to be discovered. What are you waiting for? Learn more at Nissan USA.
3: Dropping
2: gym. So, Barb, tell me, how did you guys end up launching
3: Peaceful Mind, Peaceful Life? So, I've been teaching this, as you said, for decades, and especially at the local university here, Florida Land University. And every time I would teach a workshop or have give a lecture or class on something like boundaries or self-care or meditation, my, all those things, everyone would come up to me and want to talk to me personally, and say, "Do you have a paper, do you have something that... Um, you know, that we can take home. And so in 2014, I decided, you know, after that, it was around maybe 2005 or six, people could say, write a book, write a book or do a workbook or do a, something. I mean, we really didn't have internet. We didn't have, you know, all these right. Z courses and things like that. So I launched my and book. We had AOL dial-up and AIM and, <laughs> and stuff at the time. <laughs> I feel like I live in the dinosaur days. Now I know how my grandparents <laughs> <laughs> So, But it... So I launched my book in 2014 and it it did, you know, really well. And it was so easy then to teach even more and it was easier to teach with that. And as I started doing that a little bit um, for about a year, I realized the work that I came here to do was to help change the world one person at a time. Mahatma Gandhi's, you can be the change that you want to be just one person at a time, trying to help them, um, you know, relieve their suffering, understand their worth, understand how incredible and amazing they are as just being a human being, just that whole idea of living your greatest life and, and not, I didn't want people to feel the way that I felt for that first 30 years, 30 some years of my life. And I thought, I just, I want to help people. I thought, I can't believe, I can't believe I'm where I am today. I would think to myself back then that I even wrote a book that I did, that if I can be here, they could be here. Mm-hmm. And so I had a dream. I, I, I was—I'm so steeped in my practice and my readings, and I—I I spent like ten years studying all the different religions. So I was studying uh, Buddhism at the time, and I had a dream that I was between the Dalai Lama and Chairman Mao, <laughs> and uh, they were—they were discussing uh, how to have peace, like Tibet and all the things. And so I'm in the middle of them trying to broker that deal. Oh, my God. <laughs> trying to broker the deal between, um, you know, Chairman Mao and the Dalai Lama. <laughs> and I remember in the middle of it, looking at the Dalai Lama, I'm thinking, I can't I'll look at Chairman Mao. Um, I remember saying, I can't do this. Are you crazy? Mm. What am I doing here? And he looked at me and he said, you can do this and you have to do this. And so I goosebumps. So I woke up and I thought, well, what does that mean? And Mm. I couldn't get get rid of it. And so the work that I was doing at the university, we titled it like before any of this peaceful mind, peaceful world, because in my, my view of me is that I am a mind expert. I have studied my mind for 37 years. Mm. I, I, I know when I'm in a rabbit hole and I'll say to myself, just stay there. It feels good for a little bit, you know, because we do that. We don't always yeah. want to be fixing ourselves or being better. We want to just suffer for a little bit. It's the part of being human. And I think that's what makes us so special. Um, so I know I'm a mind expert. So I thought I was always about and peaceful for me doesn't mean sitting in a cave or being a monk. It means um, power, empowered, loving yourself, accepting yourself, trusting yourself knowing that I may mess up a million times, but the one million and one time I'm going to get it because I have everything that I need inside of me. So in my mind, I thought peaceful mind, that that mind that's not confused, that's not chaotic, that's not telling me. And then we did peaceful world because I believe that if I can make my mind an ally and my best friend, then I can help someone else do that too. I'm such a huge proponent of experience. I'll share my experience with you don't necessarily want to tell you what to do. I want to show you what happened for me. I'm big on experience. Though. Then when I wrote the book, and then when I started the nonprofit, Michelle and I did thought, well, we can't use Peace of Mind, Peaceful World. That's the work we do there. And I think it was Michelle or someone in, in, in our sphere that said, well, what about just a life? It'd be nice to have a peaceful life. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, okay. maybe the world will get peaceful <laughs> yes. along the way, but I'd like to have my life peaceful. <laughs> So, and I had to have to make it a nonprofit because that's me. I want to be able to, I want all of these things to be affordable, accessible. That's why I love social media so much and all the things that this century and these things that we're doing. I want it to be, I want it to be accessible and affordable for all people. Every person of race, creed, color, all the things should be able to access healthcare, uh, mental healthcare, uh, everything. Everything should be able to by anyone regardless of how much money you have or the color of your skin. And I am a product of the 60s of the you know the racial justice movement, the women's movement, all the movements. And I thought, "Oh, that's why you were a kid back in the 60s because now you're you are 60 something and now you can you're actually still living in the same nightmare that you know that's happened in the country and now you have all of the tools and all of the power and all of the things to affect change. And one of my greatest ways of doing that is making all this accessible, helping people wherever we can. And Michelle is the same. She's so passionate the same. It's it's not just for it to be just for a certain pocket of people.
2: You know, and speaking about the 60s, it, it's so interesting to me. So I study humanity. Like that is one of my favorite things to get deep and study about. And I love I love studying specifically paradigm shifts and consciousness and as it has evolved in different centuries and in different time periods because we always notice those big bursts that drove humanity forward by leaps and bounds like there could have been hundreds of years where things were done exactly the same and then a 10-year time span everything changes um and we have things like you know steel and the industrial revolution and you know technology and science and So it just it fascinates me the way that that happens. And so I really study it because I love looking at patterns about um, energy and about uh, our ascension and awakening of the human. And so to hear you talk about the 60s, you brought up such a powerful point. And there were there were so many things that were ripe in a few decades that kind of blended together from the women's movement to racial justice and civil rights to consciousness, you know, even, even the the reclamation of our bodies in certain extents with the free love movement and changing, you know, the ways that we experience sexuality. And they all kind of converged at once. And even though we still have a long way to go, there was so much that shifted. And then it felt like there was a stopping point and maybe that's the integration point. This is how I'm looking at it from like a steady mind, right? I'm like, maybe we need four decades to integrate and then we do it again. And and so it feels that we are very much in that, but more powerfully right now. Um, And I'm just curious as someone who... One got the call in such a rare way when no one else was doing that, you know. Like, I believe, especially people like yourself, you know, where you were planted, there you had to exist. You had to exist because how else would have people in your orbit, in your area gotten this work? They wouldn't have, you know. And so, there's so much. So, I guess I'm saying a few things for those listening. One, if there is a calling on your heart, you must listen to it no matter how small it is no matter how even if you can't see the full path or understand you have to you have to because wherever you are planted you are needed um but i would just love from your perspective what do you think is happening right now in comparison to when you have seen these big conscious shifting moments happen before, and and what do you think maybe we're doing better or need to do better in
3: comparison? Such a great question, Debbie. And I think what what you just said about, um, you know, I think sometimes I think a few things are are happening. Um, I, yes, I was when I think of me as a girl in the '60s. I lived I was in Chicago, the suburbs of Chicago. So the, I mean. The, the race riots and all of the things happening oh in the 60s was yeah. huge, huge every, a lot of places, but Chicago in particular. And when I think of all of that, I think I was being, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't know it. I wasn't aware what was happening. I was aware that I was so sad and I couldn't stand it. I'm like, how is this happening? It's like kind of right now, like right now, like last summer. How's this happening? How is this happening? So I would feel that, but I think, I think I was, it was all being implanted in me because all we had was television. We didn't have anything else. We didn't have phones. We didn't have, I mean, we had you know dial-up phones, but we didn't have anything else. We had no other way. You had the news. You had the newspapers. But I remember what happened for me as I gravitated to Martin Luther King Jr. Like he became, every time he would speak on television, I was riveted. I would listen to every single word. Or I gravitated toward um, Thomas Merton, who was a uh, Trappist monk in the in the Catholic tradition. He was my... Mm. teacher. In life, and I gravitated toward the Dalai Lama, you know, just watching what was happening over there. And so I think about those things. And now as, you know, someone who's been studying those people now, but also now they're my John Lewis. Like, I feel like they're Mahatma Gandhi. I feel like they're my friends. If that makes so in this, now that I'm in this place in my life, I feel like, wow, I know them. They're my friends. Now I, I'm, they're all gone though. And when John Lewis died, I thought, Oh my God, I took a deep breath because I had the, the unbelievable honor of meeting him the year before he died. And I took a deep breath and I thought, this is it. And when Brittany Packnett wrote what she wrote on that, like, we got, we got it now. We got mm-hmm. it. This is all us now. And I remember thinking, Oh, this is so hard. This is so heavy. And then the next breath, I thought, wait, even you've, you've been training for this for your whole life you've been training for this your whole life. Um, you were made for these times, Barb. And so is everyone else who's been in this realm of the 60s. So I think to answer your question, I think if I look at the Buddhist way of thinking, and I'm not a Buddhist, but I just love, because Buddhism's all about the mind. And I just, I love that. You know, the Buddhist way of thinking is we kind of went to sleep for a while. Um, And I translate that as not that we went to sleep, but that we, you know, we hunkered down and made our money. And raise our kids and did all the like like Hinduism calls the householder parts. We did all those things and we just kind of put racial injustice and all that, you know, in the rearview mirror for a while so that we could do all the things that life was saying we were supposed to. Society said you gotta make money, you gotta have a career, you gotta raise your family, you gotta do those things. And then when that's done, which I think is happening, um, you know, we can rise back up. I as a sixty four year old, but the most important part of that is all the people like me raising the children like Michelle, all of those people, they're the ones doing I mean, I think I'm doing great work, but I I am so inspired by the 30 somethings and the 20 somethings. And Michelle and I are teaching high school kids social justice and activism and community leadership and stuff in the university. And I look at these fourteen and fifteen and sixteen-year-old kids, I'm like, I I'm I'm blown away. So I feel like we passed it along, even though we weren't in the streets marching after that sixties movement, but we didn't lose our spirit. We didn't lose the reason we were here. I know that I didn't lose the reason I was here. Um, cause I don't think I would have come back to it if I lost it or if it wasn't why I was here. So when you say to everyone listening, you get the call, answer it. And when I, You asked me, how did I come to this when I couldn't get out of bed to go to work? I was 28 years old. I had never missed a day of work from the age of 13 on ever. I never called in sick ever. And I'm owning my own restaurant and I never, I never stayed home ever. So when I woke up that morning and literally said, you can't get out of bed, it was a huge call. And I think we get those, but I, I love what you said. Like Pay attention, like notice, and if it's something different, I remember. Thinking, what do you mean you can't get out of bed? You're never. So I love that you said that. You know, just really start. Awareness is key. What Thich Nhat Han says, one of my teachers' favorite teachers, he said, he says uh, awareness. How does he say it so beautifully? Awareness is like the sun, and when it shines on things, they are transformed. Mm-hmm. Every okay. time we oh. wake up, yeah. Awareness of the sun. So I strive my whole life to just be aware. Mm-hmm. May not always make the right choice, definitely don't always make the right choice. Um, but I'm always aware. You know what I would love to speak
2: to with you, Barb? And I have chills already, and I haven't even got it out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, spirit, where are we going? Um, hmm. So something that really, that really is so striking about you is your authenticity is so palatable, like the way that it comes off of you, your authenticity, your grace, your deep peace with you is so felt, And I think that's why I'm always so impressed by the work that you and Michelle do, and especially the work you do together, both as individual spiritual teachers, but also as a mother and a daughter and seeing that pathway like that's so important for me as a mother of a son who, you know, my biggest goal is to keep him as in remembrance of his wholeness as possible throughout his childhood. um, And life and get the tools and the things, but you know, you're, you've sat here and the way that you share, there is so much love. There's so much divine love that surrounds everything that you speak and that you say and do. But at the beginning of our conversation, you also shared some very real and deep traumas that you have experienced that I think are so relatable For so many, including myself, I'm someone that has survived narcissistic abuse personally. And it was, it's the work of your life to retrain yourself, to love yourself. It's the work of your life, you know, and it's, there is a point, at least as I study it and have experienced it, it's like, you know, you also, there's always more, there's always a deepening, right? No matter how much time has passed since and no matter how great that you're feeling it it's very deliberate diligent work that is an active part of your daily life loving yourself, supporting yourself after experiencing certain traumas. Um, But the way in which that you still are able to share in the world with such authentic joy and such authentic self-love, I think that is the piece that doesn't seem possible for most people. The idea that it won't be a performance, the idea that you can actually embody such deep love for yourself um, and such a neutral way of observing your past. That's the part that I think that to me is one of the greatest gifts in doing the work that can really propel people forward if they believe that's available to them. There there can come a point where you can look at your darkest moments and not have emotional charge around it and look at it as neutral or look at it as you shared it of this happened to me, this happened to me, but that's not the whole story. This is the way that I funneled it. Um, And so any way that, that you can speak to that in this moment, especially for the survivors listening of being able to reclaim your authentic power and stand in joy and it really be real.
3: I appreciate you asking me this so much because I really want everyone listening out there that this is hard and that it was not easy for me. It's been, I mean, I'm 64 years old and I am still always working on myself or looking at myself and it took a lot of therapy i joke all the time that oh my gosh i'm 64 years old i was probably you know 40 years in therapy on and off and took a lot of therapy and a lot of um hard work in studying and in my own capability of being able to study and so what i want to say to everyone it's not perfect love yes i love myself I trust myself and I accept myself. those are the three um, like the three pillars I think that I look at um, but it's not perfect at all. Don't ever think that I'm sitting here i am I am exactly who I am. You are seeing exactly who I am, but I am not perfect and when I say that i'm I'm a uh, a mind expert, it doesn't mean that I only have joy and everything is good and I do something wrong and I bounce right back. I don't want people to think that because I think that's the beauty of life. When I say accepting myself and trusting myself are probably as, as important, if not, you know, up there with loving myself because I sometimes don't want to do the right thing. Hmm. I'm tired of doing the right thing. I've been working on this for, you know, so, and that's okay. (laughs) I don't get down on myself and say, Oh my gosh. You're not authentic. You're not real. Ugh. Yeah. And I think that people make that mistake. I think that we're trying to be perfect. And I obviously type A, all, I have all the signs, all the things. So being perfect was a huge thing for me. And I think as I'm, as I'm now a 64 year old woman, you're never going to be perfect. So my love and acceptance and trust in myself is not perfect, but I always come back to it. I it always, it's my, it's my, Um, it's who I am on the inside that I'm connected to. So I have the faith and the trust that I'll get back to it. So when I go off the deep end, I don't go off the deep end without, uh, without a parachute (laughs) or without that tag, you know, like that, that little dinghy that's attached to the big yacht, you know, I'm the big yacht and everything, but sometimes I get out in that dinghy in that water and don't know where I am. Don't know what I'm doing. Don't know what's happening. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And I I will panic or I will get frantic, but I'm, I have the tether to who I am. And so I think that my recovery and the way that I've been living my life has been woven, not only with the therapy, lots of therapy, but the meditation and mindfulness piece has been key. I don't know if I would be sitting here the way that I am today without it. So I try to help people see Also have this, you know, please seek therapy, seek whatever you can, whatever you can and whatever you need to do, because trauma is trauma. And you talk about it beautifully. Trauma is is something that you live with for the rest of your life. It truly, because trauma, what I've noticed in myself and why the mind is so important to me, trauma confused gets me confused. When I'm confused or when I'm making a decision or a choice or I'm feeling less than, or I'm feeling like I don't know what I'm doing. If I sit for just, even if I sit for five minutes, uh, it'll come to me and I'll say, Barbara, you're confused. You're confused. Well, what are you confused about? And I think it's my trauma because I was so severe with all of that. And so being loving about that. I said, oh yeah, it's uh, trauma. Oh, you're here again. Okay, that's, it's such a relief. Like, okay, okay, that's, I got goosebumps saying this to you because I just experienced it last week. Oh okay, so nothing's really wrong. There's not really anything wrong with me. I am the magnificent human being that every single one of us are. And I think that's that's what you feel in me or that's what you see is that I am very authentic and real about life is hard. And yeah. you will go through these times and you will feel lost and you will feel um, at, at the end of your rope. And there've been times in the past month or so where I've said, Oh gosh, could this be different? Maybe this is that I'm gonna go off the deep end, or maybe I can't survive this. Or I mean, I we all that that's life. That is and when when you hear do the hard thing, that'll be in the back of my mind because I'm so connected to and enmeshed with my practice and what I know to be true. So I've got a double track going. You get a double track sometimes going, even a meditation. You know, we get a double track going. We've got all the thoughts going, and then we get the deep meditation going. In life, I'll get a double track. Barbara, you're whole. You're complete. You got it all. Oh, I don't think – I think I finally met my match. Life is over. <laughs> you know, you've got the crazy yeah. things that you to say. So I hope that was a long way of saying that just keep doing the work one day at a time, knowing that you're doing everything you can, and you're peeling. I call it peeling the layers of an onion. Hmm. It's, it's, there's so many layers and you're getting deeper and deeper. And so I experienced another, another little piece of my trauma a few weeks ago in this little girl that, um, didn't feel safe. It was actually my little girl and she, I could just, I could feel that. I'm like, where did that come from? I thought I, I thought, I thought I protected you and, and, and healed you decades ago. Yeah. What, what, what do you need for? What do you need now? What's happening now? Or are you just being patient and loving and open and receptive and curious? All the words that will help you to feel that everything is okay all the time, even if it's you're at your worst. Like all is well. That's my favorite affirmation. I take a few deep breaths. All is well. All is well mm-hmm. in this moment. And then Not Han, one of my favorite teachers. I went on some silent retreats with him. For decades, for years, and we'd walk for hours in silence. The whole retreat was in silence, and he would only instructions. He would say, "Be where your feet are. Be where your feet are." So when I'm at my worst, I'll say, "All is well, Barb. Be you where your feet are. Be right here. What What's happening for you right here? And I come right back. That's the grounding that you're, you're you're setting yourself, and for your son. I think it's the same. Your your practice and who you are as a human being is everything for him. It was everything for Michelle. She didn't. And she thought I was nuts. I put a little sign outside the door. A little friend of mine crocheted a little pillow that said, keep out. (laughs) I had several of those, you know, do not disturb when I go in there and meditate and stuff. And she thought it was weird, but she loved it because she could see I could weather the storms of life and still stay.
2: Wow. 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 So I need people to you know. know it's
3: not perfect love. It's not perfect yeah. love. There's no such thing as that. And society, oh, yeah. Yeah. it's a very imperfect love that's really beautiful.
0: Mm.
2: Thank you for unpacking that so fully. And, you know, the thing that came up for me as you were sharing, and if this is useful for anyone listening, I think a lot of people approach or don't approach meditation and mindfulness um, because they might be saying, for those who have been on the experiencing end of trauma, big T or little t, whatever kind of trauma, we all carry something, you think, but there's no way that that could ever make me not think about this, right? And so to that, I want to offer, when we talk about in this conversation you can heal, and then there's always opportunity to go deeper in that healing, even if it shows itself decades later. It's because at that moment, what you've done served you so fully. And at that moment, now there's more. There's a little more available, or there's a way to refine, or there's a way to just shine a little more light in that area. You know, um, as we're coming to know, as the studies of trauma expand for the very first time. You know, a lot of it is in ourselves. And so it is a daily diligent practice to be with yourself, to heal yourself. And when I think about the abuse in my life, you know, I I think about it several times a week. It enters my field of consciousness regularly, maybe even daily, but there's not charge for it in this moment with me. And so I think about it because it happened, because it exists. But in comparison to many years ago, in comparison even to, you know, the last couple of years, it's not always felt as this gaping, oozing wound. Sometimes it's just the scar that is healed beautifully, and I'm just aware of it. I'm aware that that has happened in my life, but I'm not living in that feeling right now. I can just observe it, and then I can let myself know, like, yeah, that popped up because it happened. And now you can
3: release the thought if you choose to. Yeah, it's so beautiful said, Debbie. And I think it's not, you know, it does. You think about it. And I I love that, um, the idea that, you know, your life goes where you place your attention. And so the mind is always trying to get our attention. So it'll throw everything at us. So I believe that same as you, that those thoughts and those ideas come up regularly. Um, I might stand in front of a mirror and say to myself, wow, you look fat. Maybe you should, I think I put this in my book. Maybe you should cancel going out with your friends because you don't look good enough. You know, when I share that with people, they're like, but you've been in recovery for all this long. I said, yeah, but I have trauma from all of that bulimia all those years. And so it doesn't mean that it's not going to rear its head or it's not going to try to get my attention or it's not going to, as you said, it's in the cells. And so we have a beautiful choice. And I think that's the, That's the whole reason, I think, for training your mind to be a friend and an ally and using practices and using tools and having all those things. Because if I didn't have all that, that thought would start to take root in my mind because I'd give it food. I would say, well, where do you think I'm? Where do you think I'm fat? Oh, is it because the pants look a little bit tight? Or maybe I bought the wrong... I mean, I would have a whole conversation in the past about it. And today... I'll say it to myself and I'll look at myself and I'll start to laugh most of the time because I'll say, well, that's just not true. You you know, you've come to visit me again or that thought is not true. I mean, that's what I love about the the age that we're living in now with all the research and the science that you mentioned studying humanity. There's so much science behind now that we think, you know, 70,000 thoughts a day and eighty-five those are repetitive. And of those 85% that are repetitive, most of them are negative. So no wonder we're like a mess all the time. Ah. (laughs) It makes sense. So that makes me feel better. Like, okay, now I get it. (laughs) We're all like this because the mind is unruly and no one ever taught us. No one ever taught us that you actually have a choice in what you're going to pay attention to and think. You don't have a choice what comes in the head, like you just said. But you have a choice as to what you're going to pay attention to Mm -hmm. and what thoughts you're going to believe. And the more you keep believing the truthful, helpful, safe thoughts, the more you start to recognize that the other thoughts not only are not real, they don't serve you, they bring you down. And it's really your responsibility to start honoring yourself and not believing them. It's 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 just your practice to start paying attention to what isn't true and what isn't helping you. Mm-hmm. And I think that idea of we're always going to have little triggers. Yeah. And just being aware, awareness, awareness is like the sun. When it shines on things, it's transformed. If you can just be aware, the minute you are aware, Oh, you're here again. I dealt with you many, many times in the past 60 years. Um, you know, goodbye, you know, yeah. or with this is, this too shall pass or, Life is well in this moment, or be where my
2: Yes, one that I love to use for me is it all serves purpose.
1: Mm-hmm. Everything
2: serves yeah. purpose, you know. Mm-hmm. And I like to identify ways that I was positively informed mm-hmm. um, by
3: by different experiences. Mm, that is so good. I want to say to everyone listening to, you, if Debbie and I can do it, you can do it. Mm. We're, we're yeah, sharing I mean, deepest things. It, Everyone can, and it's not easy, but you can little by little by little, like doing one thing, one baby thing every day in the 24-hour period that you could do. Maybe it's read a chapter in a book. Maybe it's pick an affirmation that you'll use every time the mind tells you a lie or every time the mind beats you up, eavesdrop on all the thoughts you're having in the mind. Like, okay, what's real and what isn't? Just become a scientist of the mind all day long. Well, wait, you just said that. Is that real? Well, no, it's not real. And then you, because the minute you say it's not real or the minute you challenge it, it's, it, it took its power. You it took its energy. It goes like that, like, like that. that, the second you self-inquiry, the second
2: you ask your feeling a question, you've regained
3: your power. Yeah, exactly. You do that all day long. It's not like you regain your power for the rest of the day. You can, you can, and it does happen a lot, but it may not, and it doesn't matter. It's all the same. It's all, it's all, as you said, it's all purpose. It's all practice. It's all the grand scheme of life. And it's never the same from moment to moment to moment, which we know from this pandemic. It's taught us amazing things. It has. Oh. Never the same from moment to moment. We get into a groove and all of a sudden, whoop. Okay.
2: The gifts of the pandemic of restructuring time for ourselves has been immense. Such a
3: masterclass in detachment, <laughs> in control. Yeah. And, and I think what I love, what I always look at for people, and I always, a masterclass in detachment and awareness and understanding that we literally don't have any control. If we ever thought we did, uh, now, we, now we really know we don't. But it's also a masterclass in pain. Yes. And suffering. Wow. And, uh, and, and alone, being alone and lonely and fearful. And um, I think the duality, I've been studying, I've been thinking about duality a lot in my life. Mm. lately that I've been going through and I thought, it, we live in a dualistic world. And we live in, you know, there's the good, there's always the good and bad. There's always the, the suffering and the joy. And so, understanding the suffering and moving ourselves through it, our emotions and getting the emotions out and feeling the feelings and once you once you name the feelings eighty five percent of it's gone,
1: mm-hmm. and then you do the
3: rough percent is the work of what the pain is underneath, and then we bring our attention to the joy or what we're saying the blessings or right your son or I, I I live next door to an a elderly woman who has cactus in her front yard and I live in South Florida. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a cactus in South Florida because it's wet here. Oh, yeah. I wow. become obsessed with her cactus understand. flower. Mm-hmm. And yes, she's, mom, I can't even talk to you anymore about your cactus. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm so curious about how they, they flower at certain times. And I thought I knew their, I thought I knew what these cactus did last mm-hmm. pandemic they were all. <laughs> Last beginning of this, I thought I got it down. The cactus does this and it does this and it blooms here and it blooms. This, this summer, this spring, this, this section of the pandemic, totally different. I remember thinking, wow, Barb, you don't have it. This is a whole new thing. This is so cool. Mm-hmm. I think being curious and being light and gentle with yourself helps a lot. And it's, it's not easy, but we can do it. We can just focus our attention there. We can just trust that. You can do it.
2: Yeah. One little thing. We can do it. We can do it. You can can do do it. it.
3: We got this.
2: (sighs) For everybody that is ready to get more of all things Barb, go to the Instagram, Peaceful Mind, Peaceful Life. You can also connect to her personal Instagram on there. There are so many powerful videos with deep teaching, so many recentering quotes, so many things to get you into alignment throughout your day. And also... Right now, Barb has a special promotion for the very first time. She is offering a small, intimate group of mindfulness coaching program later this year. It's only going to be limited to eight people, and topics will include setting healthy boundaries, managing emotional triggers, coping with anxiety and overwhelm, finding forgiveness, and the often elusive closure are all going to be some of the curriculum that you can really equip your life with. So for anyone listening that is interested, it's only limited to eight people. So if you're called to this, move quick. Um, The program or upcoming retreats are going to be in 2022. So when you go to PeacefulMindPeacefulLife.org, sign up for the newsletter and get more information there. So PeacefulMindPeacefulLife.org and on IG. Barb's book is also available, The Practice, Simple Tools for Managing Stress, Finding Inner Peace, and Uncovering
3: Happiness. Thank you so much for joining us, Barb. Thank you so much. This was such a joy. And, and I just love you. And I love you. And I love all of you listening. Um, just, just know that you matter. And you, you make a difference in this world every single day that you just open your eyes. Just open your eyes in the morning. Before you get out of bed, close them again you know, just think of one thing you're grateful for and just really know that you make a difference just by being alive. And I'm so grateful to know you, Debbie, you have, you've have made such a huge impact in my life. Huge. I I can't, and Michelle and I love you uh, to the moon and back. Yeah. That's to our love story. Back, That's our love story to all right. the realms and back. Yeah. Uh, we love you. all of you. We love all of you. I think that's what I, I think. That's what was. How I was drawn to you, Debbie, is your love for humanity is, is, um, overwhelming. It's over. I mean, it, it flows so freely and so graciously and so lovingly. And I feel like we connect on that, that human level of love and care and compassion and, and just joy for all the beings out there. So we love you so much as you're listening to this.
2: Mm. Barb Schmidt, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, don't we just all feel so much deeper inside of ourselves from being in this moment together? Thank you, Barb, so much. I'm so grateful for your time. I'm grateful for your life. I'm grateful for your wisdom. So grateful for Michelle. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please go head to their Instagram page. That is your soul work for the day. I want you to screenshot five different posts and send them to someone who needs it and also save it in your phone for yourself. And maybe those can be your meditation prompts. Go as you fillet, explore, go gently when needed, but keep moving forward. I love you. Thank you. Namaste, everyone. Hey, find me on social. Let's connect. At Debbie Brown, that's Twitter and Instagram, or go to my website, DebbieBrown.com. And if you're listening to this show on Apple Podcasts, please, please, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And send this episode to a friend. Dropping Gems is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. It's produced by Jack please and me, Debbie Brown.